Welcome to another episode of Intention is Everything. I am, as always, always have been, always will be. Well, not always have been, but I am Karen Frazier right now and think that I will continue to be for the foreseeable future. <laughs> so with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host. Jim just walked out of the bathroom and gave me a what the heck look. Um, it's with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Cheryl Knight Wilson. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Karen. I think Frazier's a great last name. I think so, too. My maiden name is Risland, and um, it would have been a little more distinctive for the books. But, you know, I went with Frazier. So. It works. It works. Well, when I wrote the first book, I never thought that I would write more. And now look at you. What, 50, 100? Where are you? Not that I don't know. People ask me that all the time, and honestly, I don't. I don't know. I think I have under the name Karen Fraser. I think I probably have maybe twenty-five or so in uh -huh. book books. Yeah, you've been writing like crazy, huh? Well, you know, it's a living, huh? Yeah. So you are off on an exciting adventure, I hear. Yes, yes. Um, we are going to do some paranormal investigation. And we're going to try to do it safely, uh, wearing our masks and taking our hand sanitizer. There will only be six of us there. And we will be um, going to Bobby Mackey's Music World. Ooh. We are going to Waverly Hills Sanatorium and Brushy Mountain Prison. Cool. I still have my Bobby Mackey sweatshirt that you gave me. <laughs> Woo! We went to Bobby Mackey's. Oh my gosh, it's been three or four years now, and uh, it was interesting. I'm excited to go back. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm excited about our guest. Um, he is a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show. Uh, Rob has been with Paranormal Underground, listening to us since God the beginning, practically. Every Thursday night when we used to do the live show, Rob would always be there. Um, and so I am really excited to announce my, or to introduce my good friend. I'm still having the same brain farty stuff I was having last time, apparently. Um, and I haven't even been drinking or eating ice cream. <laughs> I ate a keto pumpkin cookie and apparently that was all I needed to do. <laughs> Anyway, so I am really happy to introduce my good friend, Rob St. Helen. Rob, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So, Rob, we've been friends for, geez, like, what, 10, 11 years now, probably? Something Didn't like we meet in, like, yeah. 2009, I think, is when we met? Yeah. yeah, we met up at Wellington. That was the first time I met Rob. He came up to Wellington. And yeah. what I realized about Rob immediately is that Rob is somebody who gets it. And he had the same kind of connection to Wellington, um, which was a subject of my very first book. That um, he had I've the got chills already <laughs> from you just just already. <laughs> he, he had the same connection to Wellington that I. Okay. No. <laughs> anyway, he had the same kind of connection to Wellington that I did, and um, you know we've just grown to be really good friends since then. And we can t certainly talk about some of that because Rob did a lot of paranormal investigation. He used to work at the Haunted Heathman Hotel in um, in um, Portland. And then he worked at the Haunted Old Wheeler Hotel in Wheeler, Oregon. And um, until he actually became very ill, which is why he's, I think, is that why we're here to talk, Rob? I believe so. Okay, because I I know. So if we if we ask you anything that you makes you uncomfortable, please just tell us, and we'll we'll skip the subject. But I am so, an open book. So um, was five six years ago now maybe. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. So in twenty fourteen, I got a call from my friend Jenny Patrick, who said Rob is in the hospital, and he has lost seventy. How much? 75% of my blood. He lost 75% of his blood and um, did it more than once. Yes. And um, I'll, I'll kind of let you tell the story. But what I know is that that what followed was a Rob who was not the Rob that I knew because of which is understandable. And so I think what we want to talk about is is what you've been through and how you've managed to come back from that and live with the specter of this illness over your head. So why don't you start? 
<laughs> well, as Karen mentioned, um, I was working at the old Wheeler Hotel in Wheeler, Oregon, and um, it was a Monday night. I had just gotten back from some friend's place in Rockaway. Felt great, felt fine, not, no problems. Decided to take a, a shower, actually a bath, because I had to get up early that next morning to head back to Portland to finish my last two weeks at the current job that I was working at the Heathman Hotel. As I was getting ready to, ready to get out of the tub, I stood up and just got this immense, severe pain on my right side. And I can handle pain pretty well. I've, I've played 25 years of ice hockey. I can, I can take pain. Um, but this was pain like I had never felt before. And so I sat right back down thinking, give it a couple minutes, it'll go away. It never went away. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. As I tried to get out of the bathtub two or three times, it just wasn't going to happen until I made myself. And the pain was so great that I ended up laying on the floor in the bathroom just to relieve some of the, the pain. Uh, from there, I had called somebody to get me to the room right next to the shower I was using um, up on the bed. And I knew I was going to uh, throw up. So I was looking for the waste paper basket. And this is the room that I had cleaned numerous times. I knew where everything was blindfolded. I couldn't find the waste paper basket if my life depended on it. Kind of did here. Um, so I decided to just force myself to go to the bathroom. And as I crossed over the, the threshold of the bathroom door, it felt like I was punched in the stomach twice. And I believe that it was the, the spirit of the doctor making sure that I got the treatment that I needed um, then and there. Because you were supposed to drive home to Portland that afternoon. That, that next morning, right. Yeah. Yeah, and if that, if that would have happened, I can almost guarantee I would not be here today because I would have gone off a cliff or right into some tree patch or where I wouldn't be found for hours. Um, <clears throat> so at the time, uh, can we say owner's name of Wheeler? Uh, just call her by her first name. Um, at the time, Katie was able to call 911, get help there immediately from the Halem Fire Department. And the fire chief at the time was Perry, first name Perry. And the first thing he even said to Katie when he looked at me was, is he even still alive? Um, so from this point on was just everything I've taken in, what people have told me what happened, because I was out. Um, I remember hearing something about the shirt's got to go yank and that's the last thing i remember apparently i had six firefighters working on me at once um as long as i laid down as long as i as i was flat on my back i had a small pulse if they sat me up at all i was flatlined so they had to and i i really don't know what all they did there I was out, but they had to tie me to a chair and pretty much rush me down the stairs because the gurney was too big for the elevator. The elevator's like a little closet. It's just like this little, old like, style. yeah, it's an old elevator. And uh, so they rushed me to Tillamook Hospital to see if I would even survive the night. Um, and if I did survive, uh, would I be stable enough to be transported it back to Portland for better life uh, saving procedures? Obviously I made it. I was life lighted from Tillamook to Portland and 
I always make kind of a joke there because I feel like I kind of got ripped off because I got no peanuts or pretzels on the flight, you know, so, but I got a good bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I was in a coma for five days. Uh, doctors came in, they were telling my family to don't expect me to, to make it, you know, hope for the best, prep yourself for the worst. And uh, on the sixth day, I believe it was, doctor came in and said, all right, he's beat the odds. We're going to remove his breathing tube and see what happens. So apparently from that point on, of course, my family was all there. My sister asked if she could take a picture of me before the breathing tube and all that came out. And apparently I gave her two thumbs up and I don't recall that at all. And that is a picture I actually have on my phone today. It's one that I, I will always have on my phone for during those tough times. I can look back and just realized I'm lucky to be here. I should just be grateful for what I've got. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a reminder of where I've been and and um where i'm hopefully headed you know to get better well you weren't even you weren't even supposed to live out of childhood were you no no i wasn't um because of the liver situation i wasn't even supposed to make it past the second grade level and because of the alcohol brain and and, and all that so I've had I have had odd since day one. It's, it feels <laughs> it, it it is, <clears throat> but uh, the second time it happened, I spent eighteen days in the hospital. I believe it was. Um, I had come home to play hockey that night, and I had roughly forty five minutes before I had to leave. So I decided to lay down on the couch just rest a little bit and my sister came in and found me bleeding out again uh called an ambulance and like i mentioned before spent 18 days in the hospital i've let out only 40 percent this time well that's all yeah that's it you know uh decided to let everybody have a break <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but during that time, they told me that I would have to quit my job, move back to Portland. I would never get to work again. And as tough as that was hearing, hearing him say I'd, I'd probably never get to step on the ice again was even harder. Um, and so I didn't hear a single thing he said after that. And I know he was in the room for probably 10, 15 minutes talking to my family. Uh, two years actually went by before I got back on the ice and I just kept on working at it <clears throat> during, during that second bleed out though, I was on the couch for seven or eight months. I was couch ridden cause I pretty much had to teach myself how to walk again. I was using a walker and I'm, I'm sure a toddler was taking bigger steps than I was. Uh, a simple 10 second walk to our restroom would take me 15, 20 minutes. Um, and every joint in my body was just any kind of movement at all was just excruciating pain. And uh, it's, it's really tough to lay there thinking, okay, I got to get up now because I got to go to the bathroom and, and, kind of psych yourself up. All right. First thing I got to do is get my left arm underneath me on three, one, two, three, shove it underneath your left rib cage, catch your breath for five or 10 minutes. Everything I did, I, I could not catch my breath at all. So I dangle my legs over the couch. All right. On three, push myself up one, two, three, and just deal with the pain. Um, and that went on for a good seven months. Um, 
And of course, during that time, I wasn't sleeping at night because I was absolutely petrified to sleep at night. Uh, because I knew if I fell asleep, I wouldn't wake up because no one would be there to call paramedics or anything. So that led to more tricks that the mind played, you know, and then I started thinking, if this is going to be my life filled with this pain, I don't want to go through it. I can't, I can't go through it. This, it just hurts way too much. And so I, I attempted once, um, and obviously survived that and then thought I was okay and, and whatnot. And by this time I was walking a little bit better. I was able to go up and down stairs very slowly, but I was in my room it was a Friday night and I tried again and I had a razor to my wrist and sometime during that, I don't remember it. I had a good size lid filled with pills as well. And I don't remember filling that up at all. Um, my dad was at his friend's place and I called him. And I said, hey, I'm going down the coast to cover the weekend for the hotel. I'll be back on Monday. That was a lie. I checked myself in, into Kaiser Hospital, um, told them what was going on, and they held me for, for 72 hours. And uh, there I got in contact with a couple counselors that... <laughs> absolutely amazing um wasn't easy by any means just because i got hooked up with great counselors took a trip up north um thought i was fine able to handle a situation with a group of people um up at port townsend port townsend yeah, yeah. that was the night we had our conversation <laughs> yeah. yeah and um i i felt like I was in this huge room with all these people that would give their shirts off their back for me if I needed. But I was standing there screaming at the top of my lungs and nobody could hear. And it, it, it just wasn't a, a good weekend for me. I barely ate. Um, we had great food right in front of us. I, I maybe took a bite or two. Um, it was just one of those things where I wasn't ready, but I thought I was. When we had a conversation, was it the first night there? And I knew that the place that you were in. I believe so. I believe it was the first night because that was with, um, I forget her name now. Teresa, you, well, you, you promised to call me and I promised not to talk you out of it. Right. I mean, that was the agreement that we made mm -hmm. that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking back, I, I can honestly say I, I should have called a lot of people. Yeah, because we all loved you and you pushed everybody but me kind of away. I mean, there were a few of us you didn't push away, but right. the right. only reason I think that you didn't push me away is because I promised not to talk you out of it. Yeah. 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 And you let me have the space, whether you wanted to or not, you, you allowed I me. <laughs> I know, Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you let me, you know, have the space and everybody else I felt like was so, in in my face yeah back up let me breathe you know the the harder you push the further i'm pushing away kind of deal and that's exactly what happened um and unfortunately i did push away innocent people you know um and, and to this day for some reason 
they've they still stuck by me you know and because that's I, what friends do yeah but you know honestly I, I look back and i'm thinking why 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 me you know for one why do they stick after everything i've i've said or done or this or that it could have been very easy to say you know what i'm done with you and i would have totally said fine good that's what i want but well, we're a contrary bunch yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um so anyways <clears throat> i spent uh about eight months on the couch walking somewhat better still not sleeping at night um again still petrified to fall asleep and counseling helped me through that um got me to really open up and uh just really let it all out was what it barreled down to came down to um because i never really gave myself that chance to play that pity game on myself you know why me punch that pillow or or scream at the top of your lungs why me um because i've always kept things in like that and uh counselor was like we're in a soundproof room right now and i just went to town <laughs> and i think that was the moment where things kind of turned around for me slowly but surely and started my my way to where i'm at today which is a hell of a lot better place yeah so i know your story pretty well but i'm sure cheryl is full of questions because i that's she said well you know what? we're going on a trip and i have some errands to run and i said look i am so familiar <laughs> with rob's story Honestly, I need somebody with an outside perspective to ask questions. <laughs> I'm too close, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't don't hold back, Cheryl. I yeah, I did my camera. It's freaking out a little bit too. It's okay, it's all right. Yeah, we can still see you. Um, your your story is so powerful, and it's just how how can someone who's dealing with that feeling of hopelessness how can they find hope um, amid that hopelessness what can you tell them trust your family uh absolutely trust your family and that was a tough lesson for me to to accept as well all my life i've always been the i got it i i don't need your help nope i'm, I'm good i've got it so when I got back home and I had to absolutely rely on my sisters and my dad for a hundred percent, everything that was tough, but I had to accept it. And my camera <laughs> is bugging me. Well, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of got a little bit of a hitch in its get along, doesn't it? I wonder yeah. if because it's like focusing on the sheep behind you or something. I could be. I don't know. It's all right. But <clears throat> trusting your family, that that's the biggest thing. They are there. And I know from missing a medication a time or two, I know I got mouthy because that's what this medication did. Uh, lactulose. Uh, if you that made you go to the bathroom and get that ammonia out of your system. So in January, kind of stepping back a little bit, in January, my sister was here and she woke up around 3.30 to get ready for work. She works at the airport, Portland airport. And she'd always check on me on the couch. I wasn't there. Check the bathroom, wasn't there. Go to my room, not there. She's like, where the hell is Rob? Five or 10 minutes goes by and she looks outside again and she sees me coming out of the neighbors across the street backyard um, in a pair of shorts and it's, it's January, it's cold. 
Um, well, Portland cold. Portland cold, yeah. 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 <laughs> Not Minnesota cold. No, Portland, <laughs> Oregon cold. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was below uh, 32. But uh, she's like, what are you doing? And I guess my reply was, I just needed to go to the bathroom. I couldn't find the bathroom. Oh. So the ammonia was so high that it just totally clogged my brain process of thinking, where's the bathroom? Where's this? You know, and they found me outside. So thankfully, you know, neighbors didn't call police or nothing like that because there was absolutely no way I would have been able to uh, do simple commands, sit down, what's your name? You know, so who knows what could have happened. But getting back to your 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 question there, Cheryl, uh, just from that point on, I, I knew I had to just trust in my sisters and my dad for everything. And even though I got tired of them asking, did you take your pills? Take this, take this, take this, take that, take this a thousand times a day. I knew it was for the better. But uh, yeah, I hope wise for me, it was just trusting, learning to accept my my family's help. And to the people I talked to on the phone, being very selective on who I talked to. Because I can recall talking to some people where they actually said, dude, this happened like four or five months ago. Can't you just get over it already? Ooh. And you don't get over almost dying a couple of times. You just don't. It's something in the back of your head that will always stay with you. So being very selective on, on the phone on who I talked with and just accepting family's help. That's, that's how I found a little bit of hope and, and, uh, to, to keep going. And of course my kids. So when you're struggling moment to moment, even how can you, how did you effectively deal with those moment to moment struggles? Did you have a frame of mind that you had to go to? What was it that got you moving along those moments? My kids. I had two pictures of my kids sitting right in front of the table. And uh, <clears throat> I wasn't going to let them without a dad. And yeah. uh, I, I, I knew I had to keep fighting for them. Cause they had, they didn't do anything wrong and then they needed their dad. So I knew I had to keep pushing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. For sure. And I will say that, you know, the first, I, I, I think that um, I saw glimpses of you over the years, you had good moments and you had bad moments. You know, we had our new year's Eve party and, and you were good. Mm-hmm. And but I think the first time that I really felt like you were back was last year when we were at the ghost conference and we just sat at that table and laughed for basically the whole day. <laughs> yeah, I, that that is a day I will probably never forget. <laughs> um, just because I, I, I hadn't laughed like that in such a long time. And that is what I needed. Yeah. Well, I did it too, you know, because <laughs> we used to laugh like that. So it yeah. was nice to have my friend Rob yeah. back. And I mean, you were still always my friend Rob and, and I was never going to give up on you. Right. But, but that was when I, I think I realized that maybe you were finally starting to get over the hump. However, I asked you, um, what, maybe six months ago, if you wanted to come on the show and you weren't ready yet. So what made the difference between then and now? <clears throat> I was talking to counselors mm -hmm. and I knew I had some tough sessions coming up and I did not want to, I don't want to say conflict the two together, but I, I, so, I, I just wanted to concentrate on 
what I was working on with the counselor. And I didn't want to um, do two things at once. No, that's fair. I, I really needed to just concentrate on this one thing that I'm working on and, and, and learn what I needed to learn there and, and go from there. I figured if it's meant to be that I'm on the show, it'll happen sooner or later. It's, it's kind of like with your books. Um, you don't decide when you want to work on your <laughs> books. They come to you. They do. <laughs> and they tell you, okay, Karen, it's time for you to grab a, grab a pencil and a notebook yeah. pad. And you're going to start going crazy. And we won't hear for you for four or five days. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we know. <laughs> I wish I could say that's. I know. I, I'll emerge from a book and um, Jim will be looking pretty hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so. We aren't at home anymore for that. So, yeah. No, yeah. I get that. And, and you reached out to me and you said that you were ready. Um, yeah. and, and I appreciate that because I was just going to leave it until you mm -hmm. and when you told me you were ready. So, so I appreciate that because, you know, it's been difficult to watch everything that you've gone through, probably not nearly as difficult as it is for you going through it. Right. Um, with the tough sessions, it was, it was 100% dealing with my mother. Yeah. And well, explain that if you don't mind. Because we, um, we talked before the show about what caused all this. Right. Well, as I said before, when she was pregnant, she drank like a whale. She, we're, I found a, an old gin bottle just about two weeks ago underneath the deep, deep, deep underneath the kitchen sink when I was remodeling the kitchen sink area. So that tells you something right there. She was hiding bottles in the far, far, far back. Um, so that destroyed my, my liver. And then um, my parents got divorced when I was 15. And I knew there was no way I was, I was going to go live with her. Absolutely no way. So stayed with dad. And uh, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. Um, she, she just destroyed my liver from the get go. And I had to learn how to let it go. Yeah. For lack of better words. I, I, I can't keep holding on to it. Otherwise it just continuously eats at me. And um, that's not healthy. Yeah, you were angry at your mom, which is, I mean, God, it wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, there are all kinds of abuse, and that's a form of abuse. Right. Yeah. So those were those were the, you know, the four or five weeks that I was, I I just wasn't ready to do the show, and again, I just wanted to concentrate on on that so I can learn from it learn what I had to do to help myself help be, be able to help others. Sure. So sure. how does forgiveness, um, how, do, what's the saying? Forget forgiveness sets you free. Is that the saying? Is that something like that? Yeah. Does it set you free? To a point. To a point, um, I don't want to talk to her, period. I don't want to see her. Um, I, I guess it's kind of like, and I'm not a religious guy by any means, but it's kind of like forgive and forget kind of thing. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the person yeah. you forgive. Yeah. I mean... Forgiveness is basically saying, look, I'm not going to let what you did to me control my life anymore. Right. Exactly. That doesn't mean you have to let somebody who's toxic back in your life. Right. Yeah. It's it's like a bad relationship. You, you're not going to, hopefully you don't keep going back. 
Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So. Sometimes we do, but. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Like Karen said, it's, it's just letting it go off your shoulders and knowing, you know what? I'm better off without it. Definitely better off without it. That weight is off my shoulders. I don't have to think about it. I don't allow it to drag me down anymore. So how's your health now? It's doing okay. It's not the greatest. Um, being with this small pandemic that's going around, you may have heard it, COVID-19. I don't know. I've heard of it. Uh, it's, I it's got a little weird. something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I read something weird. Uh, um, my doctor's been closed for the last three months because of it. Um, so I haven't seen him, but I know my numbers are, are really wacky right now. And I know that simply because when my numbers, blood levels and blood counts and all that, what I'm talking about, get out of hand, I get a bunch of acid reflex and, and, and heartburn and, and that kind of stuff. And that's just happening all the time. Kind of like this camera going out of focus. Um, so I need to go in and do some blood work and hopefully get with him so we can adjust things and, and, uh, get things going on in the right path again. Sure. So I just discovered that one of the dogs puked on the floor and I stuck my foot in it just now. So you will see Jim coming on camera with a paper towel. Oh. <laughs> Would you like a drink while I'm serving you? Oh my God. <laughs> I'll be heading to the shower when we're done here. Oh, and there goes my computer. <laughs> we're a real professional operation around here, man. Good Lord. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so that's, that's exciting. That's what's happening. Yeah. Now I have to get my computer sort of recentered again. <laughs> so hopefully I'll, I'll get the blood work done and uh, get, get back with the doctors here before too long and, and get things going. Um, Thank you. I, I still feel like all the pills are, are working. Yeah. But every once in a while, we need to, to tweak something out just to kind of kickstart it again. And I, that's what I feel it is. Yeah. Well, so. and you were having some cardiac issues on top of it, right? Right. As, as a bonus gift, you know, um, during all the testing for the liver and all that, they also found out that I have a enlarged heart. Because, you know, having a liver problem is just not enough. Let's go ahead and toss something else in there. You know, it's a bonus gift. Right. So have you, do you think that you've come up with a purpose for all of this or do you think it's just sort of a random thing? I don't know. I've, I've honestly thought about, okay, what, what am I, what am I supposed to do with everything I'm learning here? Wh where am I supposed to head? Where am I supposed to go to share this? What, and I really don't know. At right. times, I, I think it's to do things like this, you know, so that maybe a person in Florida may say, God, you know what? That sounds like what Mary Jane over here has. We should let her doctor know or something like that. And, and maybe they can catch something. Sometimes I think it's just, you know, the cards I was dealt and move along. Yeah, I think you're here for a reason. Um, so, but it, it, it's, I, I guess I can answer that differently every single day. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, I know it's been a long road and you didn't work for what, about three years-ish? Three years. I had to uh, beg my doctor, <laughs> literally beg my doctor, please just let me let me go back to work, please, please. I told him I sitting at home, I don't feel like I'm part of society. I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing anything towards society. I'm, I'm just a waste of skin. Let me do something. He goes, you find an easygoing job. We'll discuss it. So I'm working as a security officer now 
not that that's any easier this time of day uh downtown and uh from midnight till 8 a.m and uh work in five days are you playing hockey or no uh not right now but yes not right now um well, I realize not this moment. Right. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been uh, playing now for three seasons and every single Monday night. So, and hockey is something that's hugely important to you. As a matter of fact, that seemed to me to be the biggest blow to you when this all started. Was Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the doctor's when they first took me in the first time when I bled, bled out 75%, the doctor said that my internal organs were extremely strong and that they fully believed that hockey had a hundred percent to do with me surviving because everything was, was in good shape, was, was fit, was, was strong. And that's what kept me going. Do you want to talk about the doctor at the Wheeler? Because I think that that's a, a an important part of the story that we don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so the Wheeler is um, a, a hotel that you were working at. It's like, like an inn, a little kind of a bed and breakfast style inn. Um, and it's notoriously well-known haunted. We've done shows about it on, on our show, as a matter of fact, uh, when Chuck was, when Chuck was here, Mm -hmm. That's where we did we did a show from the Wheeler, as a matter of fact, to talk about the Wheeler. So, so talk about because I think that that's such an interesting part of the story, and I think, I think he he saved your life. I don't doubt that one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I I believe there's spirits out there that if you're a jackass in real life, you're going to be a jackass in the afterlife. Um. He's a doctor. He takes care of people. I believe he was doing me a favor. It sucked at the time. Um, but I really believe he saved my life by giving me those two gut punches to make sure I got the health care that I needed at that moment. Because, again, I was leaving bright and early that next morning. Had this happen while I was driving, I very chances are I would not be here today because I would have driven off a cliff or into a tree head on and out in that neck of the woods, you're an hour or so. It's on the Oregon coast. Yeah. It's, you have to go through the mountains and stuff right. to get back to Portland. Absolutely. And it was winter, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and so not only that, you've got ice and, mm-hmm everything else. Well, and the other thing, um, and I'm sure you recall this, and I don't know if it's something that we've talked about before, but the second time Katie got that call. It's actually on my phone. <laughs> that is, that is the picture and that voicemail. Um, well, explain it, explain what it is because I've heard it. I've heard it a couple of times they're it's really strange. <laughs> it is strange. Um, so my youngest kid, uh, Emma, she is 19, 18, excuse me, 18. Um, now she's 18. Now Emily would have been, um, two years older. We lost Emily at five months. So we wanted to um, kind of combine the names for Emily and Emma. So we, that's how we did that. So now I was at home when this happened here in Portland. The second, the second, the second time, correct. Esophage it's esophageal varices. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Katie was downstairs remodeling the main floor of the Wheeler hotel of the Wheeler hotel. So uh, Wheeler hotel, you have the basement, the main floor, and the hotel is actually up on the third floor. So she was making um, a new room for new tenant on the, on the main floor. She 
here's her phone ring. She's busy. Voicemail. I actually, I take that back. I think she answered the phone. It didn't ring. She Is just that what it was? Okay. There was a voicemail. I, I knew there was something yeah. there. She just discovered there was a voicemail, and she had had her phone with her, and it hadn't rung. Okay. Okay, that's yeah. where it was. So, as Karen said, had her had her phone. No, no phone messages or no phone ringing, and uh, voicemail pops up. Um, and it's this voicemail that lasts about a minute minute 15 seconds or whatever and no one knows that i've bled out now the second time it's my sister on the phone saying rob he's bleeding out again we had to call an ambulance she We're hadn't found him yet and she hadn't found me yet yeah and at the very end of that voicemail, you hear a soft little girl's voice, Daddy needs help. Wow. It's... It is, it is very... <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I get chills even when you just said it again because I... Yeah. yeah. Wow. And now I went through sprint that's who my carrier is and i had her go through her phone company and gather all incoming phone calls for her phone mine outgoing there are absolutely zero records of any phone calls being made that's kind of amazing figure yeah. that one out right which see yeah. but so if you look at all of this intervention and this is why i ask why I say I think you're here for a reason. The first time the the doctor basically sped it along mm -hmm. um, so that Katie could find you. Right. Uh, and you could be airlifted and be saved. And then the second time, again, this mysterious voice message that has no origin before anybody had even found him. Right but while he was having the incident. Right. So do you have any questions about that, Cheryl? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I still have questions about it. I, I know. I was Rob's you know? this story. And I mean, I know the story pretty darn well, but I still, mm -hmm. still parts mm -hmm. of it like, what the heck? And you still yeah. have that? You still, you kept that message? Oh yeah. It, it that is that in the photo whenever I get a new phone wow. or whatever, th those are the first two things I save no matter what it, and then this, those are the first two things I load up. Do you think you could play it on your phone and we could actually hear it here Would that? Michael, is that something that could happen? Could we try it? Let's go for it. Let's try it. Cause you gotta be a little curious too, right, Michael? I'm <laughs> a <little bit> curious. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little. Tiny bit. I'll get it up to the microphone just making sure. At 4.05 p.m. Uh, 
There's nobody talking back to her. Right. I mean, because I would when I first heard it, I thought, well, did was it the nine one one call? But the timestamp was before anybody had found him, and then the right. my dad needs help part, which was really hard to hear. But I've heard it. Right. And Cheryl, uh, I'll email this over to, to Karen, and she can forward it over to you, so you can headphone it. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's just amazing. What What do you make of that, Rob? I, I'm, I'm still, even listening to it just now, it still gets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't know. You know, I, I don't know. When, when I hear something like that, I, I, it baffles me. I mean, here I am bleeding out. Nobody knows about it yet. But here's this phone message that's over a minute long. And you have some major key words there, a blood transfusion, Rob, bleeding, blood right everywhere. <laughs> blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Is it and it's your sister's voice? That's, oh, that's that's Kirsten's voice. That is definitely Kirsten's voice. And the more I listen to it, it almost sounds like my middle sister's voice, Judy. Hmm. And you think that the the my daddy needs help is Emily. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, it just, it, it feels like there's some type of intervention. Karen, you, did you just say that? Okay. Yeah. There's some type of intervention to me. That's what it seems like. Yeah. There's a reason because he had the first, the first time with the doctor and then the second time the phone message to Katie that it has been verified that. Yeah. Nobody had found him, and there's no record of the. She didn't, she didn't listen to that phone message for about another 40 minutes, I believe, 40, 45 minutes when she was done working downstairs and she got back upstairs to her her place. Wow. And that's when she started making phone calls like, what the hell's going on here? I just got this phone call, and that's how she found out. By then you'd been found, and by had- then I'd been found, and I was already in the hospital. But only forty percent that time, so yeah, small game. That's right. Small I- game. Potato, potato. Super strange, right? But doesn't that strike you then that that I mean that there's that level of intervention to me suggests that there's a reason yeah you're still here yeah i mean i happy you are i'm i'm very right right so am i (laughs) but i I guess the golden question right i guess the golden question is for what though and that's what i've been trying to figure out for the last six years four years five years whatever obviously i'm meant to be here but what is that what for? Maybe just because you're supposed to be here. Yeah. Or maybe it's because even just by sharing your story, you're affecting this many more people out there who may be struggling with something similar um, or just, just struggling, period. Right. And one little thing could alter their course possibly. Maybe that's it. Um, You could also ask, well, many people believe that we choose our own life course before we ever get here. And that you, I I don't like to say it like this, but that you chose this for a specific reason, because it sounds um, almost heartless to say that. But, but if, if we do choose our life path, it's for, it's for reasons to learn something but finding out what that is is often quite difficult, especially when right. you're going through something so severe and so traumatic. It's, it's it's just hard to figure it out, I think, sometimes. Right. And you didn't have any experiences. When you were out, you were out. You didn't have near-death experiences. You didn't oh, smell the no. light. You didn't. No. I, I mm-hmm. when I was, yeah, yeah. When I was in the hospital, and and people came up to see me. They they'd ask me, 
well, did you see any, did you feel anything? Did you see any white light or, or anything like that? And honestly, my answer to that is I think I had so many people block in that light, not allow me to see it and go to it. It kept me here. Yeah, there's, I mean, you know, sometimes I think that some, sometimes our purpose is just to hold space is to just bring the energy that you bring to the world, right. you know, and, and you may never have this aha moment where this is my purpose, or you may be in the middle of it and just not realize it. True. You know, like you tell me that at your work, you've um, done a lot of communication with some of the homeless that are down by where you work. Mm hmm. Um, and, and just showing kindness and compassion to, to some of the people who are unhomed and, you know, maybe that's part of it. Could be, maybe, maybe I'm the one that needs to take that step back and look at the greater picture. Or just keep doing what you're doing. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you. I guess it doesn't always have to be such a complicated Right. Two, th you know, complicated reason why I'm still here. It could be the easiest thing that I'm overseeing. Yeah. You're here because you're here. Yeah. Isn't that a song? We are here because we're here. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Is that a song? I, I think so. I think it might be. It seems it sounds familiar <laughs> anyway. Well, it's a very profound children's song if you think about it in the in this context. So um, we just have a couple of minutes left, and I know that you don't want to shamelessly self-promote. But what I do want to ask you um, is um, if you have any practices that you use right now when you when you feel the darkness coming again, is there something that you do? How do you pull yourself? How do you pull yourself out of it? If you feel, cause I'm sure that you're not sunny, happy, left oh, no. Rob all the time. I mean, none of right. us. Are. Right. Uh, the one thing I, I really do is I will just lay down and, and just free my mind. Just, just totally clear it out for 10, 15 minutes and, and kind of do a, a reset to myself and just, okay, that was then I'm starting over now. Everything's fine. Breathe. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't let things grab a hold of me like I did before. Yeah. And I'm, I'm able to shed what's bothering me a lot better. When yeah. I just lay down, relax, and like I said before, okay, that was that was in the past. That's done with. There's nothing you can do. What can I do to make it better here on out? Yeah. And you do talk therapy. Was there a specific kind where you're doing like cognitive behavior therapy or EMDR or anything? Or is it are you doing straight up talk talk therapy? Just talk. Yeah, and it's working for you. Yeah. Because yep. I know, I know where you've come and how far you've come. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then we're going to give you the final word. Do you have anything to say to people who are struggling with something, um, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, because you've really had it all. So can you say anything to give them hope? Uh, just trust in yourself. Uh, you know, call a brother, sister, your parents, uh, know that they're there and they love you unconditionally. And that was, again, that was a tough lesson for me to learn. It took me 40 plus years to, to learn that. So it's never too late. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you have a lot of people who love you and you know that. Yeah. So unfortunately you have reintegrated back into the group and you no longer push us away. So we're happy. <laughs> happy that you're back well thank you i'm because glad to be back <laughs> because we love you and we missed you and we love you unconditionally too definitely all I right <laughs> all right rob thank you cheryl have a good trip thanks rob be and safe. yes and michael also thank you um we'll have a 
surprise for you on the next show because we don't know who or when it'll be. <laughs> so thanks everybody for joining us on another episode of Intention is Everything. Peace out. Thank you. <laughs>